with our reading of the book Alam Al-Sunnah Al-Mansura Li'atiqad Al-Ta'ifa Al-Najiya Al-Mansura The distinguishing signs or the landmarks the flags or banners that are placed along the road as a means of being a guide to those who travel this path the path based upon the atiqad or the aqidah or the beliefs of the victorious, victorious saved group Al-Ta'ifa and Najiyah, those who would be saved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world and in the next life and those who would be made victorious in one way or another as the scholars of Sunnah have said that they would be given a physical victory over the enemies in this world or at least they would be given the proofs and the evidences so that they would overcome those who argue against them and they would remain victorious in this way until the coming of the hour of judgment in the previous discussion we have read the introduction of the author in which he has laid out in a summary form the outline of what he has intended by this book and he has mentioned a number of points that it is a mukhtasar, it is a summary it doesn't contain all the details of the matters of being and that it is based upon the qawaid of the deen, the fundamentals or the foundations of the deen and it encompasses the usul of imam or the usul of al-tawheed, the fundamentals of al-tawheed and the matters related to al-iman that which negates it totally and that which nullifies its perfection and also he said that in this book he has written it in question and answer form and he has placed with every issue its evidences, the proofs of what he has stated and he has avoided mentioning the sayings of the people of deviation but he has limited himself to mentioning the sayings and the opinions and the positions of the people of Sunnah after that we read the first questions which are introductory issues before entering into the main text of the book which is based on the hadith of Jibreel السلام, that is when he has asked the Prophet وسلم, what is Islam, what is Iman and what is Ihsan so these introductory questions before entering into the explanation of what is Islam and Iman and Ihsan they are to set the foundation yani what is the first thing that is obligatory upon the servants of Allah and what is the matter or the purpose for which the creatures have been created what is the meaning of Al-Abd, the slave of Allah what is Al-Ibadah, worship and when is an action considered as Ibadah what are the conditions for something to be considered as Ibadah and what is the sign or the indication of the servants Mahabba or love of his Lord Azza wa Jalla and finally we talked about what are the means through which the servant knows what Allah loves and is pleased with that was question number 7 this evening we would like to continue from question number 8 and take as many questions as possible in the time that we have question number 8 it is a continuation of the introductory matters that is related to ibadah and its issues in question number 8 the author rahimahullah uh, al-allama hafiz ibn ahmed ibn ali al-hakami rahimahullah he says kam shurut al-ibadah how many are the conditions of ibadah 
how many conditions are there for ibadah? Most of the scholars of Sunnah have mentioned that the conditions of ibadah are two. Yani sincerity in doing it for Allah alone and being in agreement or in accordance with the Sharia or the Sunnah. And some scholars have said three. They said that the first condition, it is the foundation of the matter, it is Iman, that the person is a believer. And then that they do it purely for the sake of Allah and in accordance with the Sharia. And here the Shaykh, he has mentioned the, the, the two main conditions that are mentioned by most of the scholars. The conditions for the acceptability of an act of worship. And he has added to it another condition, that is the condition for its existence. Yani, a, a, a condition that must be met in order for ibadah to exist. Whether it is accepted or not, that is the following conditions. But for it to even exist, there is also a condition. And he has mentioned here that as the first condition. Come shuroot al-ibadah. How many conditions are there for the acceptability of ibadah or for its existence? He says, Salata, that there are three. The conditions of ibadah, there are three. The first of them is Sidq al-Azimah. Yani truthfulness or sincerity in one's determination. That one, the one who is determined to do an act of ibadah, they have to have sidq, truth, they have to be truthful, truly determined. They have to be sincere in their determination. They have to have a determined will or a firm will or a firm intention to do that deed. That is the first condition, it is the condition, as he said here, sidq al-azimah, wa huwa sharq fi wujudiha. And it is a condition for the existence of ibadah. The ibadah will not exist unless the person is sincere and has a firm will and intention to do an act of ibadah. If they don't have that, then they will not act. Unless they are they have a firm will and firm intention or determination to do it. And he will explain what is this Sidq al-Azimah in detail. The first condition is Sidq al-Azimah, that is, being truthful in one's determination, having a firm will to do this act of ibadah. This is, he said, Sharq fi wujudiha. It is a condition for the existence of the worship. The worship would not exist unless this condition is met. The second of the conditions, he said, it is ikhlas and niyyah. Sincerity of intention. Yani that if here the ikhlas and niyyah actually it means that a person's niyyah, the intention is to do it for Allah alone. It means that the person wants to do it for Allah alone. And the third of the conditions is muwafaqat al that it should be in agreement with the Sharia, the law, the divine legislation that Allah has revealed. And he says here, it should be in agreement with the Shar' الذي أمر الله تعالى ألا يدان إلا به. It should be in agreement with the divine legislation, which Allah has ordered that no one should worship Him. That no one should worship except based on this Shar' except based on this divine revelation. You should not worship Allah except based on this. If you worship Allah based on anything else, based on your feelings or your opinions or what you think is good, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He doesn't accept it. And He said these two last, the last two conditions, ikhlas and niyyah, being sincere in one's intention to do it exclusively for Allah alone, and muwafaqat al-sharia, being in agreement with the divine legislation, He said these two, wahuma sharqani fi qubuliha. That they are the two conditions for the acceptance of the worship. The first condition is the, it is the condition without which the worship would not exist. It will not happen. The person will not act if they don't meet that condition. 
that is being truthful and sincere and having a determined will to do it. After that, the conditions for its acceptance, it has to be with ikhlas, sincerely for Allah alone, and it has to be in agreement with the sharia, in agreement with the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So these are the conditions that the shaykh has mentioned for ibadah. One of them, the condition for its existence, and the other two, the conditions for its acceptance. Question number nine, he said, مَا هُوَ صِدْقَ الْعَزِيمَةِ What is meant by صدق al-azima? Sincerity or truthfulness in determination, yani in one's firm will to do and act. What is meant by this? Here the shaykh, he gives a very good definition that is important, that we must understand. He said, it is tarq al-takasul wa tawani. Two things he said. The first of them is abandoning or avoiding or leaving laziness or indifference. The person should not be lazy. If they are lazy, they will not do. And they should not be negligent, nor indifferent. Otherwise, again, they will not act. The second part of it he said, وَبَذْلُ juhud, And exerting effort, making an effort, فِي أَنْ يَصْدُقَ قَوْلَهُ بِفِعْلِهِ Yani that he must not be lazy or indifferent and he must exert an effort in order to prove the truthfulness of his speech by his action. The truthfulness of his speech it is proven by his action. He must act so that what he has said it will be proven to be true. Otherwise if he says I believe and then he doesn't act in accordance with what a man requires then his statement is not proven true. It is proven to be untrue. So he said that the meaning of Sidq al-Azimah, what proves the sincerity and truthfulness of one's determination to do acts of ibadah for Allah, it is that a person avoids laziness and indifference or negligence, and then they exert an effort to prove what they say on their tongue by actions that are in accordance with what they say. And then he mentioned as the proof for this the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from Surah Al-Saf, chapter 61, verses 2 and 3, Ya ladina amanu, لِمَا تَقُولُونَ مَا لَا تَفْعَلُونَ Oh you who believe, why do you say that which you do not do? Why do you say something and then you don't act in accordance with it? You don't prove the truthfulness of your statement by your actions being in accord with what you say. كَبُرَ مَقْتًا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَنْ تَقُولُ مَا لَا تَفْعَلُونَ It is something that is indeed, indeed detested and hateful to Allah that you say what you do not do. That you say one thing on your tongue and then you don't act in accordance with it. The second question, or the next question, question number 10, مَا مَانَا إِخْلَاصَ أَنْنِيَةً What is the meaning of ikhlas and niyyah? Purity or sincerity of intentions. What is the meaning of this second condition? The, the first condition for the acceptability of ibadah. In order for it to be accepted by Allah, it has to meet two conditions. The first of them is this ikhlas and niyyah. What is ikhlas and niyyah? He said, هُوَ أَنْ يَكُونَ مُرَادَ الْعَبْدِ بِجَمِيعَ أَقْوَالِهِ وَعَمَالِهِ الظَّاهِرَ وَالْبَاطِنَ إِبْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى And also this is a very beautiful definition of ikhlas and niyyah. He said it is that the intention, the murad of the person, what they intend by doing their action, all of their speech and their actions which are done openly and which are done secretly, Yani that which is seen and that which is the actions of the heart, that all of these, the intention behind it, the murad, his irada, his will, what he intends by doing it, it is ibtigha wajhillah. It is every action and every speech 
It is to seek the face of Allah. He does it to seek the face of Allah. And as we said previously, Al-Wajh, it is a sifa, a characteristic that is confirmed for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in many ayats in the Qur'an and in many hadith of the Prophet that we describe Allah as having a face as he has described himself. And here, some of the scholars of tafsir have explained in the ayats containing this description of wedge for Allah. They have, as Ibn Kathir said, he described the meaning of wedge. He said, Raja'a thawab Allah wa radahu. He said that seeking the face of Allah it means that a person hopes for the reward of Allah in his pleasure. Seeking the face of Allah, literally it means that a person seeks to see Allah in Yawm Qiyamah. And the believers who earn Allah's pleasure and his reward will see him. And Ibn Kathir, as many of the scholars of Tafsir said, and what is the secondary meaning of it, is that a person is seeking the reward of Allah. And seeking the pleasure of Allah. And whoever earns Allah's reward, the Jannah, and his pleasure, then they will see Allah in the next life. So here he said, the meaning of ikhlas and niyyah, it is that a person's murad, his irada, his will, for every action and speech that is done openly or secretly, it is to seek the face of Allah the Most High. And then he mentioned a number of verses as proofs for this definition that he has given. The first of them is from Surah Al-Bayyinah, chapter 98, verse 5. وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينِ كُنَفَا that they have not been commanded, they have not been ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except to worship him, مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ الدِّينِ Worship him, making the deen purely for Allah alone. Making the deen for everything that you do in the deen, it has to be purely for Allah alone. هُنَفَا يعني The hanif, it means the one who inclines away from falsehood in every false religion and is only inclined towards the true religion, the truth. So this is what we have been ordered with, to worship Allah making the whole of the deen sincerely for him. This is the proof that what is required of us is that we have sincerity, ikhlas in our intention, our niyyah. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Layl, chapter 92, verses 19 and 20, وَمَا لِأَحَدٍ عِنْدَهُ مِنْ نِعْمَةٍ تُجْزَى إِلَّا بَتِغَى وَجِهِ رَبِّهِ الْعَالَى This ayah, it contains some difficulty in translation and honestly, I didn't find any English translation for this ayah that was clear to me. But from the scholars of tafsir, the way they have explained this ayat, that there's no one, there's nothing for anyone. No one has anything in, this, in, in reference to this person, the one who has taqwa, the fear of Allah, as is mentioned in the previous ayat. There's no one that has anything that, they, that he owes to them. Not any ni'mah, any bounty or favor that deserves to be rewarded. Ni'matin tujza. A ni'mah that deserves to get a reward or a recompense. There's no one that has anything over him, that they have done something for him that he has to give them something in exchange for. Illa except the seeking of the favor of his Lord the Most High. Yani the meaning of this is that no one has done any favor for him that deserves a reward. And due to that he does some deed for that person because of something they have done for him. But in fact every deed that he does, it is purely seeking the reward of Allah. As Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'ad in his tafsir of the Qur'an of this ayat, he said the word that he used, the explanation of it, لَيْسَ لِأَحَدٍ مِنَ الْخَلْقِ 
Yani that there is no one in the creation that has anything over this person who has taqwa of Allah doesn't have any favor, they don't have anything over him that yani he owes to them something in exchange for it فَلَمْ يَبْقَى لِأَحَدٍ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الْخَلْقِ نِعْمَةٍ تُجْزَى Therefore there doesn't remain anything against him or over him that from any of the creatures that deserves a reward فَبَقِيَتْ أَعْمَالُهُ خَالِصًا لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى Therefore all of his actions remain purely for the sake of Allah Yani what is the meaning of this? It means that if anybody has done him some favor that deserves a reward he might do a good deed towards that person in exchange for what they have done for him that means it will not be purely for the sake of Allah it will be in exchange for what they have done for him and this is the least that is required of one that if somebody does a good to you exchange a good to them but doing it purely for the sake of Allah is without, without anyone doing anything for you you just do it for Allah's reward alone that is what he means here that this person nobody has done anything for him that remains against him he has not returned the favor and therefore he does a good deed to them because of the favor they have done for him but all of his deeds of whatever they have done for him he has returned favor he has recompensed them therefore when he does something all of his deeds remain purely for the sake of Allah alone he does it only for the reward of Allah this is the meaning of it Wallahu alam. then in this ayah he has given also as a proof of ikhlas that when we do something it should be purely for the sake of Allah alone then he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Insan, chapter 76, verse 9. إنما نطعمكم لوجه الله لا نريد منكم جزاء ولا شكورا. That verily, نطعمكم لوجه الله. That we give you food or we feed you for the face of Allah. For the favor of Allah, for the reward of Allah. إنما here it means verily, definitely, certainly. And it also means that, that the person is doing that thing for this reason and for this reason only. إِنَّمَا نُطْعِمُكُمْ لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ That we are doing it only for the, for the face of Allah. لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورًا We don't want from you any jaza, any reward, nor any thanks. We don't want any financial or material reward, nor, nor even do we want you to say a word of thanks. It is not done for this reason. To get something back from you, but to get your praise or thanks. It is done purely. It is done purely for the sake of Allah. This is the ikhlas that is necessary in the intention when somebody does a deed in order for their reward, in order for their deed, their ibadah to be accepted by Allah. Then he finally mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Shura, chapter 42, verse 20. مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ حَرْثَ الْآخِرَةِ نزد له نزد له في حرفه ومن كان يريد حرف الدنيا نعتيه منها وما له في الآخرة من نصيب. Here Allah subhanahu wa taala in this ayat mentions two people: one who does something for the reward of the next life, and one who does something for some reward in this world. The difference between the people in this world are that there are people who do something for the reward of Allah in the next life and there are people who do something for some benefit in this world. He said, whoever intends, من كان يريد, whoever's intention, irada, whoever does something with the intention of getting the harf, the harf, harf of the akhirah, meaning the reward, the harvest of the next life, the reward in the next life, in the akhirah. Whoever does something with that intention, نزد له في حرفه. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that we will increase 
for him in his harf, in his harvest, in his reward. Yani, some of the scholars of Tafsir said that we will increase his deeds, multiplying them, and also increase the reward that he gets for them. That is the first group of people, the one who does something seeking the reward of the next life. And whoever intends by his actions the harf of the dunya, the reward of this world, something of material compensation, then we will give him something from it, from the things of this world. But he will have nothing. He will have no portion of the reward of the next life. And whoever does something with the intention of getting material reward in this world, then for that deed they will get nothing in the next life. There is no reward whatsoever for the one who has that intention. Then he said, and there are other ayat that prove the importance or the necessity of ikhlas and niyyah, sincerity of intention. Question number 11 mentions the third condition, the second of the conditions for the acceptability of ibadah. That is, what is the shara, the divine revealed law or way that Allah the Most High has commanded that no one or that one not worship except by it. Yani what is the shara or the sharia or the divine law or the deen that Allah has ordered the people that they should not worship except by this way, except in accordance with this way. And the Shaykh says again, uh, he explains it in a beautiful way. He said, here, al-Hanifiyyah. What is this, this sharh or this divine way of this deen that Allah has ordered the people that they should not worship except in accordance with it? It is al-Hanifiyyah. Millata Ibrahim alayhi salam. Yani the, the deen or the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Al-Hanifiyah, the scholars gave many definitions and there's no contradiction between them. Some of them said, Al-Hanif huwa al-Muslim. Yani Al-Hanif is the one who surrenders or submits himself to Allah. Some of them said, Al-Hanif huwa al-Mustaqeem ala al-Haq al-Muttabi'a lahu. That he is the one who is going straight on the truth, following the truth. Traveling on the path of truth and he is speaking to it, adhering to it, following it. And some of them said that it means Al-Hanafiyah, it means the Shahada and La ilaha illallah. Al-Hanafiyah, it means the testimony that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah. And the definitions yani, are many. In Lisan al-Arab he said, Al-Hanif, it is the Muslim who turns away from the Adyan. Yani he turns away from every false religion and he turns, he only is inclined towards the Haq, the truth. So all of these definitions you can see that they are basically the same. It means, in summary, Al-Hanifiyyah or the Hanif is the one who is traveling the straight path, who is following the truth, who turns away from, is yani, inclined only towards the truth and turns away from every other way of life other than the deen of Allah. He said this is the Millah of Ibrahim, the way or the deen of Ibrahim salam. Then he mentions a lot of evidences for this. And there are more than what he has mentioned in the end. He said, and there are other ayats. He has mentioned a number of ayats for this. The first of them is the saying of Allah in Surah Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 19. Inna al-Islam. That verily the deen with Allah, that is accepted by Allah, that is approved by Allah, it is al-Islam. Yani what is this, this sharh or this sharia or divine way that Allah has ordered the people they must not worship except by it? He said it is al-Hanifiyyah, it is al-Islam, the millah of Ibrahim. And the first proof of it, that verily the deen with Allah, that Allah has ordered the people with and that is the only thing that he accepts, it is al-Islam. This ayat is very clear 
It doesn't need any explanation, nor any additional proofs. Yani for the Muslims, it is very, very clear that the deen with Allah is Islam. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, also in Surah Al-Ali Iman, chapter 3, verse 83, the saying of Allah, أَفَغَيْرَ دِينِ اللَّهِ يَبَغُونَ Yani is there some deen other than the deen of Allah that they are seeking? Do they seek to follow some deen other than the deen of Allah? وَلَهُ أَسْلَمَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ طَوْعًا وَقَرْحًا while everything has surrendered and submitted to him in the heavens and the earth. Yani every creature that exists in the heavens and the earth, Aslama, has submitted to Allah willingly or unwillingly. Willingly or unwillingly. Everything has to submit. So is there any religion that they seek other than, Is there something other than the deen of Allah that they are seeking? While everything in the heavens and the earth surrenders to Allah willingly or unwillingly. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 130. And who? It is a question in Arabic that means negation. Yani when Allah said, وَمَنْ who is it that turns away from the millah, the deen of Ibrahim, except the one who makes a fool of himself? Who is it? And here he means to say that no one turns away from the millah of Ibrahim except he is a fool. Whoever turns away from the millah of Ibrahim, the deen of Ibrahim, then he makes a fool of himself. And if he knows the truth and then turns away from it, he is a fool. He is a fool. من يرغب عن ملة إبراهيم. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said in authentic hadith, من رغب عن سنتي فليس مني. يعني whoever turns away from my sunnah, he is not from me. يعني رغب عن رغب في it means you have a desire for something, and رغب عن means that you don't have a desire for it, that you turn away from it. So who turns away from the ملة of إبراهيم except the one who makes a fool of himself? Then he mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Al Imran, chapter three, verse eighty-five. وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِي غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا فَلَا يُقْبَلَ مِنْهُ وَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ And who seeks other than Islam as a deen? وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِي غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا Who seeks as a deen other than Islam, something other than Islam? فَلَا يُقْبَلَ مِنْهُ Then it will never be accepted from him, never. وَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ And he will be in the hereafter from the losers. He will be of the losers, the people who have lost everything. Finally, he mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Shura, chapter 42, verse 21. Am lahum shurakau shurakau Do they have some associates, those who they have associated with Allah, who they have made equal with Allah, who they have made those who have the right to legislate? Along with Allah. Allah is the only legislator. Is there someone that, we have, that they have made associates with Allah, that they have the right to legislate? Do they have some associates, yani, that they have made equals with Allah? Shara'u lahum min deen Then they have legislated that for them something of the deen. Ma lam yani that which Allah has not given permission for it. They have legislated that which Allah has not given any permission to legislate. Yani they have legislated kufr or shirk or bid'ah or sinful acts or whatever other than what Allah has given permission for. They have made lawful what Allah has not made lawful. They have made haram what Allah has made, made what Allah has not made haram. 
is there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, is there anyone that they have made as associates who legislate something for the deen which Allah has not given permission for? This means that legislation, it is also the right of Allah alone. And it is not allowed that we worship Allah by anything except that which Allah has legislated. So this is the sharh that Allah has ordered us that we should not worship except by it. It is the deen of Allah, al-Hanifiyyah, the millata, the millah of Ibrahim. It is al-Islam, that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated for us. The next question, question number 12. Here, okay, now from here he has finished the introductory questions that he intended to lay the foundation before entering into the matters of the hadith of Jibreel. That is, what is Islam, and what is Iman, and what is Ihsan. Kam maratib deen al-Islam. How many are the levels of the Islamic deen or the Islamic way of life? How many maratib, how many levels are there in the deen of Allah? He said there are three, three levels. Al-Islam, Al-Iman, and Al-Ihsan. And he said every one of them, if they are used in the general mutlaq sense, yani unrestricted or undefined sense, in the general sense, then they include the whole of the deen. And if somebody says Islam, they mean the whole of the deen. That means practices as well as beliefs and so on. And if they say Iman, Iman is not limited. In the general sense, it is not limited to just what we believe in. But it also includes the acts of worship and whatever Allah has ordered us with. And likewise, Al-Ihsan. Then he explains these terms starting with Al-Islam and he explains in detail the first pillar of Islam that is the Shahada of La ilaha illallah wa Muhammad Rasulullah uh, as when he reaches Iman he also explains in detail the first pillar of Iman that is Al-Iman Billah and the others he yani, summarizes them to some extent but of course the first pillar of Islam and the first pillar of Iman it is, it is the essence and the foundation of the name, for that reason he has explained it in its details and all that is derived from it. So what is the meaning, ma ma'ana al-Islam? What is the meaning of Islam? That is question number 13. What is the meaning of Islam? Ma'anahu al-Islam lillahi bit-tawheed wal-inqiyad lahu bit-ta'a wal-khulus min al-shirk. The meaning of Islam is al-istislam billahi bit-tawheed. Yani that one surrenders willingly. Istislam, that a person surrenders. Without resistance. Al-istislam lillahi bit-tawheed. That they surrender to Allah with tawheed. Yani surrendering to Him alone. Everything it is, yani submission for Allah alone with tawheed. Wal-inqiyadu lahu bit-ta'a. And compliance, al-inqiyad, it means to comply. To surrender and to comply. Bitta'a, in obedience to comply with whatever Allah has ordered and whatever Allah has prohibited. Al-inqiyad lahu bitta'a. Wal-khulus min shirk and to free oneself from a shirk. Some of the scholars, like Shaykh Salih, Ali Shaykh, Allah yahfadhu, in his explanation of Usul al-Salafa, he has mentioned that this last part of the definition, al-khulus min shirk, as Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab has said that a better expression to be used here instead of Al-Khulus min al-Shirk, he said Al-Bara'atu min al-Shirk wa Ahlihi Al-Bara'atu min al-Shirk wa Ahlihi That means that a person is innocent of and free of not only they don't participate in it 
but they have nothing to do with them. They separate and disassociate themselves. Not only they don't engage in it, but they have no association and no connection and no relation, no alliance with the shirk or the people of shirk. And this, yani, last part of the definition, yani, the way that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah, has explained it in Usul al-Salatha, it is a better expression, it is more clear. Al-Bara'atu min shirk wa ahlihi. That a person is free from the shirk. They have nothing to do with it, they don't engage in it, and they separate themselves and disassociate themselves from it and from the people who practice it. Then the Shaykh rahimahullah mentioned evidences for the meaning of Al-Islam, he said the saying of Allah Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 125 And who, who is better in deen? Yani in the matter of deen, not in economics or in business or in engineering. But who is the one who is the best, Ahsan in deen? Who is better than the one who has Aslama wajahahu lillahi? He has surrendered his faith for Allah. And the scholars of Tafsir, they have said that the meaning of faith here, that surrendering one's faith, and the faith is the most important part of the physical body, it means the surrendering of one's whole self. It means that one surrenders their whole self, Lillahi, to Allah, to Allah alone. Who is better than the one who aslama? This is a proof of the meaning of Islam. It means to surrender oneself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with tawheed and with ta'ah and disassociating oneself from shirk and his people. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Luqman, chapter 31, verse 22, which is similar in meaning, That whoever surrenders his face, yuslim wajhahu, whoever surrenders his face, surrenders his whole self to Allah, and he is a muhsin. The person who uh, has reached the level of ihsan, yani, that is the one who does good deeds, acting in accordance with the sharia and obedience to Allah. Well, he surrenders himself and then he acts. He complies with what Allah has legislated. Then such a person, he has taken hold of the handle, the, the handle that will never break. The firmest handle that will never break. Then finally he mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Hajj, chapter 22, verse 34. And your Lord, He is one, Ilahun Wahid. Ilahukum, that means the one who deserves to be worshipped. The one that you worship, He is one. There is no other one that deserves to be worshipped. فَلَهُ أَسْلِمُوا Therefore, uh, it is upon you. فَلَهُ أَسْلِمُوا Therefore, it is upon you to surrender to him, to submit to him. He is the only one that deserves to be worshipped. Therefore, he is the only one that you should surrender yourself to and submit to وَبَشِّرِ الْمُخْبِتِينَ and give the good news to the مُخْبِتِينَ and the مُخْبِتِينَ, I don't know how to describe it in one word, but some of the scholars of Tafsir have said the مُخْبِتِينَ, it means the one who has humbly submitted to him to his Lord. Yani submission and obedience to Allah. And it is the one who uh, surrenders or complies with the law of Allah, with the commands of Allah. And it is the one who is humble amongst the servants of Allah. The one who humbles himself amongst the 
servant of Allah and the one who is pleased with whatever Allah has decreed. And all of these meanings have been mentioned by some of the scholars uh, as being the meaning of the you know, Bashirul Mukhbitin, and those who are humble to their Lord and who comply with His orders and who are humble with the servants of Allah and who are pleased and who accept whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for them. So these ayats are proofs of the meaning of Islam that it means to surrender, to submit oneself in obedience to Allah alone with Tawheed. Question number 14. Uh, what is the dalil, what is the evidence or the proof that uh, what is the evidence or the proof that the expression Islam includes the whole of the deen when it is used in the general sense, mutlaq. Yani what is the proof or the evidence, what is the dalil that the expression Islam includes the whole of the deen. We said that Islam and Iman and Ihsan, if they are used in the mutlaq, general sense, unrestricted or undefined, then it includes the whole of the deen. He said, what is the proof of this? First, he mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Imran, chapter 3, verse 19, Inna deen عِنْدَ اللَّهِ الْإِسْلَامِ And he said, verily the deen, in the deen, the deen, the whole of the deen, with Allah, it is al-Islam. So Islam, in its general sense, undefined or unrestricted, uh, it means it includes the whole of the deen of Allah. Verily the deen with Allah, it is al-Islam. Then he mentions the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and that hadith has been reported by Imam Muslim in his Sahih in the book of Iman. The saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Bada al-Islam gharibaan wa sayaudu gharibaan kama bada'a That Islam began as something gharib, strange And it will return Wa sayaudu gharibaan kama bada'a It will return as something strange As it began And it began in the beginning it was strange And in the end it will be again strange Fatuba lil-ghurabah To give good news to the strangers any good news of Allah's reward and Allah's pleasure for those who are strange. Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, said that the meaning of this hadith, Badal Islam Gariban, it means that Islam in the beginning, it was strange, it was something different, and it was only adhered to by a few people. They were strange because they were just a few. And he said, this, this interpretation of the hadith makes it clear what it means. What sayaudu kama bada'a gariban. How it will become strange again? It means even though in the end there will be many people calling themselves Muslims, but it will be strange, meaning the Islam that began in the beginning with the Prophet ﷺ, the pure Islam of Qur'an and Sunnah, that the people who possess that Islam in the end again, they will be strange. Because those who practice the real Islam, they will be few. As they were in the beginning only few, again in the end they will be only few. And we can see that today. If you practice Islam that is purely on the Sunnah, you will be strange. In most places, people will look at you strange. The way you act, the way you pray, the way you believe, it will be strange. All people will be thinking and doing something different and you will be the alone by yourself looking strange. So it began strange and the Prophet ﷺ said it will return as it began strange. Also the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, afdalu al-Islam imanun billah, that the best of Islam is believing in Allah. Yani this is also a proof that Islam, it means the whole of the deen. That the best of Islam, it is Iman, Imanun Billah, having 
faith in Allah. Yani it shows that Islam, uh, it is not limited. It is not limited just to the practices like Salat and Zakat and Siyam, but it also includes the other matters of the deen. The best of it is Iman in Allah. Some of the narrations of this hadith, as it was reported in the Muslim of Imam Ahmed, it is reported that a man said, O Messenger of Allah, what is Islam? And he said, it is to surrender your heart to Allah. And you surrender yourself to Allah. And you qalb here, it is like wedge. It means the whole of yourself. Because the essence of the human being is the heart. So he said, it means to surrender your heart to Allah. Azza wa Jalla. And also that the Muslims will be safe from your tongue and your hand. That is part of Islam. Islam, it means to surrender your heart to Allah and to make the Muslims safe from your tongue and your hand. You will not harm them physically and you will not speak ill against the Muslims. In that hadith, he said, وَأَيُّ الْإِسْلَامِ أَفْضَلُ And which Islam is the best? قَالَ iman The Prophet ﷺ said, which Islam is best? He said, iman And in the hadith, similar meaning reported by Al-Bukhari from Abu Huraira, that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was asked, أَيُّ الْعَمَلِ أَفْضَلُ Which action, which deed, it is best. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, The best of actions is having Iman in Allah and His Messenger. He said, what after that? He said, Al-Jihad fi sabilillah. And he said, then what after that? He said, Hajj Mabru'ah. The correct, acceptable pilgrimage. The next question, it is related to the previous question. The previous question, what is the proof that Islam, when it is used in the general sense, without definition or restriction, that it includes the whole of the deen? And here he said, مَا عَلَى تَعْرِيفِهِ بِالْأَرْكَانَ الْخَمْسَ عِنْدَ التَّفْصِيلِ يعني What is the proof for defining Islam as the five pillars when it is used in the specific sense? Yani when Islam is used in a defined, restricted, specific sense, what is the proof that in that situation, that it is defined as being the five pillars, the pillars of Islam, Arkan al-Islam al-Khamsa. The proof of this, he said, it is the hadith where Jibreel salam asked the Prophet وسلم, about the deen. Yani when he asked him what is Islam and what is Iman and what is Ihsan. In that case, he was more specific. The Prophet وسلم, here was specific. He explained exactly what does Islam mean in the specific, restricted, defined sense, as opposed to the specific, defined sense of Iman, and the defined sense of Ihsan. Here now he has specified each one uh, with a particular specific meaning. And this we have discussed previously in the explanation of Shajrat al-Iman by Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi, that the scholars of Sunnah, many of them, most of them have mentioned this point that Islam and Iman, when they are used together, each has a specific meaning. Specific meaning. Yani Islam is used for the obvious things, like prayer and fasting and Hajj, and Iman is in reference to the things of the heart, the Iman, the faith, believing in Allah and the angels and the books. However, when they are used separately, if you just say Islam, it includes Iman. It includes what we believe in. And if you say Iman, it also includes what we do. If you say somebody is a mu'min, it doesn't mean he doesn't practice the pillars of Islam. That is also included. So these terms, the scholar said that when they are used separately, they include the meaning of the other. But when they are used together, then each has a specific meaning. And that is what the Shaykh, Rahimahullah, is referring to here. That Islam, 
When it is used in the general sense, it includes the whole of the deen, including Iman. But when it is used in the specific sense, as in the hadith of Jibril, then the Prophet on that occasion has defined Islam in a restricted, confined meaning, and that he has defined it as the pillars, the five pillars, yani Arkan al-Islam al-Khamsa, the five pillars of Islam. Here he mentioned the hadith of Jibril, in that hadith, the Prophet when he was asked about Islam, he said, Al-Islam, an tashhada an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, wa tuqeem al-salat, wa tu'ati al-zakat, wa tusum, tusum al-Ramadan, wa tahujj al-bayt, in istata'a ilayhi sabila. Uh, he said that here Islam, in the specific sense, it means that one testifies that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the messenger of Allah, shahadatayn, and to perform the salat, to fulfill the requirements of the salat, and to fulfill the requirements of zakat, and to fast the month of Ramadan, and to perform the hajj to the house, to the sacred house of the Kaaba in Mecca, in istata'ata ilayhi sabila, if one, if you are able to reach it, if you, are, if you have a way to get there. So here the Prophet ﷺ has made clear he has made clear the definition, the detailed definition of the specific definition of Islam when it is defined that it refers to the five pillars of Islam. And likewise in this hadith is reported in Bukhari and Muslim as is the following hadith which he has also used as a proof of the definition, the specific definition of Islam, that it means the five pillars of Islam. He said the hadith of the Prophet Bunya al-Islam ala khams. That Islam, it is built upon five, and five foundations, five fundamental practices. That is the shahadatain, the prayers and fasting, uh, and hajj. So this, these two hadiths, both reported by Al-Bukhari Muslim, and here the Shaykh said in this hadith, he just mentioned the beginning of the hadith, and he said, then he mentioned those same things except that he has mentioned hajj before fasting. In the second hadith, whereas in the first hadith he has mentioned fasting before hajj, and both of these hadith are found in Al-Sahihin Al-Bukhari Muslim. Question number 16. And these are two ways of defining Islam, in a specific sense and in a general sense. Now, the Shaykh, rahimahullah, goes on to explain the five pillars of Islam in detail. What are their meanings and what are their definitions? The first of them is the, the one that he has really given a lot of detail because it is the most important of them and that is the two testimonies, the shahadatain. He said, what? ما محل الشهادتين من الدين? Yani, what is the status of the shahadatain, the two testimonies in Islam? What is their manzila, martaba? What is their status or their station uh, in, ter- in Islam? What is the status of the shahadatain in Islam? How important? are these two testimonies. The Shaykh said that no person, no abd, لا يدخل العبد في الدين إلا بهما. What is the importance of it? No person can enter the deen of Allah except by these two testimonies. No matter what else they do, if somebody gives whatever, whatever possessions of the earth, in charity, and even if they bow down and pray, or do whatever they do, uh, it will not benefit them unless they first enter into Islam by these two testimonies. The testimony of La ilaha illallah and the testimony of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the status of the shahadatain in the deen 
it is that it is the most important thing. Nobody can enter the deen except by these two testimonies. The proof for this he gives ayah from the Quran and hadith of the Prophet ﷺ from the Quran, that which is mentioned in Surah Al-Nur, chapter 24, verse 62. And the same wording or the beginning of this ayah is the same in Surah Al-Hujurat, chapter 49, verse 15. Innama that verily the believers are those who believe in Allah and His Messenger. Yani innama again, the meaning of innama, it is for certainty, definitely, and it is also for hasr, yani limiting the meaning. The meaning of it is, if you said inna al-mu'minina, it means verily the believers. But if you said innama al-mu'minuna, it means verily the believers. And these are the only ones who are the believers. It is limited to them, those who believe in Allah and His Messenger. The believers are only those who fulfill these conditions, believing in Allah and His Messenger. Then he mentioned the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, which is reported by Al-Jama'ah, that is Al-Bukhari and Muslim and Abu Dawood Ibn Majah and Nasa'i, except Al-Tirmidhi. Al-Jama'ah accept Al-Tirmidhi. Al-Tirmidhi didn't narrate this hadith, but the others have mentioned it. He said the hadith of the Prophet wasallam. Umirtu an uqatil al-nasa hatta yashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu that the Prophet said I have been ordered, I have been commanded meaning by Allah I have been commanded to fight the people to fight against the people until they testify that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad is his servant and his messenger and this is the first condition and the most important condition that people will be fought against until they testify to this. Otherwise, whoever doesn't testify to this, then they should be fought against. Unless they are from the Ahl Kitab, then if the Muslims are in power and have the ability to subdue them, then they should force them to pay the jizya and to live under the rule of the deen of Allah, having the rights that Allah allows for them. Otherwise, if they are not from the Ahl Kitab, they should be fought against until they submit and surrender to the Deen of Allah. And this is not our topic, but in any case, it is worth mentioning that even if some people have some hesitancy, especially in the time that we are living in, talking about such a topic, but the reality of the matter is very clear to whoever would reflect that just as the people of the earth, the tyrants and oppressors and corrupt and immoral people who disbelieve in Allah, force the masses of the earth to surrender to their man-made false laws and false rule and unjust laws, then it is more right that the people of the earth should be forced to surrender to the just laws that recognize other peoples and nations, even if they are not Muslim, that give them some rights that are just. It is more right that that law should be enforced on the people than the false law that has been forced on the people of the earth from the beginning of time. And from the beginning of the time when the people deviated after the time of Nuh The Shaykh says here uh, that they also, yani this hadith he said, and there are also other evidences for the showing the status or the high status of the Shahadatain in Islam, yani that no one can enter Islam except by them. And he has mentioned this ayat and this hadith showing the importance of believing in Allah or testifying to the oneness of Allah and the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Uh, okay, the, the next question 
This is question number 17. What is the evidence or the proof for the testimony of La ilaha illallah? What is the evidence or the proof for this shahadatain? Okay, we know what is the status, so what is the proof for yani, the requirement of this testimony? The first proof of it, he said, is the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 18. Shahid Allahu annahu la ilaha illallah. Shahid Allah, the first, first proof, it is the testimony of the Lord of the worlds. Shahid Allah, Allah Himself testifies that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Him. Allah Himself testifies to this. So the pr- first proof or the evidence of this requirement of testifying to the oneness of Allah is the fact that the Lord of the worlds Himself testifies that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Him. And likewise, the angels and those who have knowledge, ulul ilm, the people of knowledge, people who know, they also testify. The people who don't know, they might not testify. The ignorant people. But the people of knowledge, along with the angels, and Allah, the Rabbul Alameen, testify that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Him. And that He is maintaining the creation in justice. There is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Him, Al-Aziz Al-Hakim, the one who is almighty and all-wise. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Muhammad, chapter 47, verse 19, فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us, no. أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ That there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah. And Imam al-Bukhari used this ayat as a proof that knowledge precedes speech and action. فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ First thing you have to know, that there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Allah and then actions and speech follow after knowing such. Also he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 62 وَمَا مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَمَا مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ إِلَّا اللَّهِ This is similar to the meaning of لا إله إلا الله وَمَا مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ It means that there is nothing that deserves to be worshipped. مَا مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ It is negation with min that there is no, there's no ilah at all. There is no ilah. There is nothing that deserves to be worshipped. That is negation. Illallah except Allah. That is affirmation. Just as in the statement of la ilaha illallah, la ilaha, there is nothing which deserves to be worshipped. Is negation. Illallah except Allah. It is affirmation. So here this ayat is similar to the statement of la ilaha illallah. Its meaning is precisely the same. Wa min ilahin. There is no ilah. Illallah except Allah. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Mu'minun, chapter 23, verse 91. That Allah has not taken any walad, any son or any offspring. And there was no ilah along with him, besides him. There was no other one that deserved to be worshipped. He has not taken any son. That is the negation of the Christians and the Jews and whoever claimed that Allah is a son. وَمَا كَانَ مَاهُ مِنْ إِلَٰهِ And that is the refutation of every other false religion that attributes uh, the right to be worshipped to other than Allah. And there is nothing along with him that deserves to be worshipped. And finally he mentioned the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Isra, chapter 17, verse 42, قُلْ لَوْ كَانَ مَاهُ That if there were aliha, other gods along with him, besides him, equal to him, كَمَا يَقُولُونَ As the Kafirs, the disbelievers claim, إِذَنْ لَبَتَغَوْ إِلَىٰ ذِي الْعَرْشِ سَبِيلًا Then if, the, if there were some other gods along with Allah, then they would have sought a way to the one ذِي الْعَرْشِ 
they would have sought a way to the one who is the owner of the throne, the Lord of the throne, that is the creator of the heavens and the earth, the Lord of the world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they would have sought a way to him. If there were other gods, and he, along with him, equal to him, but there is no one that can do so because there is no other God besides him. So these ayats, all of them are proofs of the shahada of la ilaha illallah, the testimony that there is nothing in existence that deserves to be worshipped except Allah. Then he mentioned, last question perhaps that we would take, yeah, it is the last question that we would take, perhaps, uh, if the is called, ma ma'ana shahadatan la ilaha illallah, what is the meaning of shahada and la ilaha illallah? And he first he said, what is the status of the shahadatain? Then he said, what is the evidence or proof for it? Now he said, what is the meaning of shahada and la ilaha illallah? And this question is essential. The meaning of it, he said, ma'anaha nafyu istihqaq al-ibadah an kulli ma siwa Allah ta'ala. That is the negation of the right to be, of being worshipped, the negation that there is any right to be worshipped from everything other than Allah. We negate that anything other than Allah has a right to be worshipped, وَإِثْبَاتُهَا لِلَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ And then affirming the right of worship that it belongs to Allah, the mighty and the majestic alone, that it belongs to Him alone. لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ فِي عِبَادَتِهِ He has no partner or equal in His worship. كَمَا أَنَّهُ لَيْسَ لَهُ شَرِيكٌ فِي مُلْكِهِ Just as He has no partner or equal in His dominion, in His authority over the kingdom of the heavens and earth. And just as Allah has no partner in His worship, Yani this is a fact, just as there is no one that is a partner with him in the control of the heavens and the earth, for likewise there is no one that is a partner with him deserving any worship. And this, as some of the scholars of Sunnah said, it is the confirmation that Allah is the Rabbul Alameen. If anybody affirms that there is only one creator who controls the heavens and the earth, then that is the proof that requires of them to also testify that nothing deserves to be worshipped. If they say he is the Rabbul Alameen, as the pagan Quraysh used to say, he is the Rabbul Alameen, and then they used to worship other things behind, besides him. So the Quran says, if ask them who created the heavens and earth, they will say Allah. So if they say that, that he is the only creator, then he is the only one that deserves to be worshipped. And here the Shaykh, this is what he means when he said that he has no partner with him in the right to be worshipped, just as they already confirmed that he has no partner in having authority or dominion over the heavens and the earth, therefore nothing else should be worshipped along with him. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah as a proof for this in Surah Al-Hajj, chapter 22, verse 62. That is because Allah, He is the Haq, the truth. And whatever they are calling on or worshipping, left below Allah, other than Allah, everything that they are calling on, it is basil, false. And that Allah, He is the Most High and the Great. Okay, we'll stop here for the adhan. After the adhan, inshallah, if there any questions. Allah
before we take any questions or comments, just quickly, the, the last ayah that we have mentioned, Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi, Rahimahullah has given a beautiful tafsir for the meaning of these two words, al-haqq wal-batil, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهُ هُوَ الْحَقِّ That is because Allah he is the haqq. He said that the meaning of this is that Allah is the thabit, the one that is يعني, firm, that there is no change. He is the one that will always continue to be, and he will never go out of existence. He is the first whom there is no one before him. Al-awwal. Wal-akhir, he is the last whom there is nothing after him. He is perfect in his names and characteristics, and he is truthful in his promise, which he has promised. His promise is true, and the meeting with him, it is true, haq. Yani wa'aduhu haq, it is true. وَلِقَاءُ حَقْ And his, in the meeting with him, it is true. And دِينُهُ حَقْتُمْ And his deen, it is truth. وَعِبَادَتُهُ هِيَ الْحَقُّ النَّافِعَةُ الْبَاقِيَةُ عَلَى الدَّوَامِ And in the meaning of Allah, he is the haq, he is the one that will always remain. He will never go out of existence. He is the one who is truthful in his promise. His promise is truth. The meeting with him, it is truth. His deen is truth. And the worship of him, it is the truth that is beneficial and that will remain forever. And the batil, he said, that whatever they call him besides Allah, it is batil. He said that is the, the idols or the, the false gods that they have worshipped, whether animals or any, any inanimate things or whatever. He said these things are false within their self. They are falsehood. They are not like Allah. And the worship of them, it is also false. Because whoever worships something that is false, then that worship will also be false because it is connected to that which is false and that which is not eternal or everlasting. So this here, this ayat, he said, it is the meaning of the shahada and la ilaha illallah, giving the worship to Allah alone, negating it from other than Allah because Allah is the one who is the haq, the truth that deserves to be worshipped and the worship of him is beneficial and it is lasting and everything other than Allah it is false, it is not eternal, it is not lasting, it is not perfect. And the worship of those things will bring about no benefit. Wallahu alam. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa tuba ilayk. If there are any questions or comments or corrections, we'll take a few moments before going to the salat. Faddu. If the sisters have any questions, please call us. Brothers. Naam. I said in the hadith that everyone will see the face of Allah, those who are obedient and disobedient. Those who remain, the Muslims. From the Muslims, okay, go ahead. Okay, brother, he is saying that there is a hadith reported in the Sahih, at least it is in Al Bukhari, and I think it is also a Muslim that the Prophet وسلم, said that the nations will be brought before him, uh, all of the disbelieving nations, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would send them away to be punished and those who would remain would be only the Muslims, the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
and he said that they would be from amongst them disobedient and obedient and that he said that they would see the face of Allah therefore it doesn't require much effort to see the face of Allah because those who are disobedient they will also see Allah okay uh, what we can say which is very simple is that the disobedient Muslims people who die on Islam who die on Tawheed if they died on Shirk then they are not from the Muslims they will be from the Mushrikeen but if they died on Islam and they have committed murder and fornication and adultery will they enter the Jannah? Inshallah, every Muslim who dies on Tawheed will enter the Jannah. That is the promise of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ has made it clear that the disobedient believers who died on Tawheed, that they may be forgiven for whatever they have done, less than shirk. Allah may enter them, admit them into the paradise without any punishment, if He wills. Or they will be punished for what they have done, as long as Allah wills, and then they will enter the paradise. Every single one of them, the least of them who has done the least, will enter the Jannah. That is the promise of Allah, and the Prophet ﷺ have mentioned that in the authentic hadith. Therefore, we cannot say that those who are disobedient, they should not enter the paradise, and they will not enter the paradise, and whoever enters the paradise will see Allah. But it will not be the same for the disobedient and the obedient. It doesn't mean that you don't have, have to make any effort. Worshipping Allah alone and dying on Tawheed, it requires an effort. Most of the people of the earth will not be able to do it. Most of the people of the earth will enter the hellfire. The Prophet ﷺ said in authentic hadith that from every 1,000 people, 999 will be thrown into the fire. And one will enter the Jannah. That is the, the people of Tawheed. From the followers of the Prophet ﷺ and the earlier Prophets. Therefore it, it requires a great effort. A lot of people will be in the hellfire. And few people will be in the Jannah. So it does require effort. But it doesn't mean we are not suggesting that the disobedient people will be equal to the obedient. Because the ranks in Jannah, they are different. Some people will be in a low place in Jannah and some people will be in a high place in Jannah. So it will not be the same. Some people will be looking up into the people who are in the high stations of Jannah. And other people will be in other places. So it is not the same. We are not saying that the people who are disobedient will not see Allah and they will not enter the Jannah. Indeed they will enter the Jannah by the permission of Allah. Your question is, should we say that we are seeking the face of Allah or the pleasure of Allah? We are seeking the face of Allah. But how we will seek His face except by doing that which is pleasing to Him? Will we seek His face by doing that which is displeasing to Him? Is there a contradiction in the meaning between seeking the face of Allah and seeking to please Allah? Is there a difference in the meaning? Is there any contradiction? It cannot be that a person is seeking the face of Allah unless they do that which is pleasing to Allah. It cannot be. There is no other way. There is no contradiction in the meaning. And the scholars of Sunnah have agreed on this meaning. That it is a secondary meaning for the face of Allah means the reward of Allah and the pleasure of Allah. The first primary meaning, it means the face of Allah. That we confirm that Allah has a face as He has said and as the Prophet ﷺ have said. And the ayats in the Qur'an proving this are too many. And the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ are so many. And that is the primary meaning. But there is no contradiction between there being the confirmation of a characteristic of Allah that is clear in the Qur'an and Sunnah and the possibility of there being a secondary meaning that doesn't contradict it and that does not negate it. If people are saying that the face of Allah in the Qur'an means seeking the pleasure of Allah and Allah doesn't have a face, that is different. We are not saying that. We are saying Allah has a face as He has confirmed for Himself. 
And that also, the, possible, the other secondary meaning of it is seeking Allah's reward and Allah's pleasure. And there's no contradiction with Allah either. So on a 73 text, this one, Muslim, the 72 would be in the hellfire. Wouldn't be part of the 73 Darion, Tawheen, and Ibn al The brother said there are 73 sects. Uh, that 72 of them would be in the hellfire and only one would be in the paradise. So isn't, isn't it possible that some of the 72 sects would die on Tawheed? Is that possible? It is not only possible, it is what is expected. Because the people who don't die on Tawheed, they are not counted. They are counted from the Mushrikeen. But the Prophet ﷺ, when he said that the, the Muslim Ummah, yani that the Jews would be divided into 71 sects and the Christians would be divided into 72 sects, and that my Ummah would be divided into 73 sects, all of them would be in the fire except one. When he said that, it doesn't mean that all of them will be eternally in the hellfire. Nor does it mean that all of them must enter the hellfire. But this is the threat of Allah. The, those who disobey Him, then they are threatened with His punishment. And the scholars of Sunnah said that there is a difference between the threat and the, the, the promise of a threat and the promise of a reward. The wa'ad and wa'id. And this is part of the aqidah of the Ahli Sunnah that the wa'ad, the promise of Allah, it must be fulfilled. If Allah promised something, He would do it. But if He threatens with punishment, He may punish or He may forgive, as He wills. Whoever dies on Tawheed. So that means some of those people who have deviated, some of their deviation is worse than others. Some of them may be forgiven, some of them may be punished for some time and then they will come out of the fire. If they have died on Tawheed, they will not remain in the fire eternally. The meaning is that those 72 sects are people who have deviated from the truth, they have disobeyed the way of the Prophet ﷺ, therefore they deserve to be punished in the hellfire. Allah may punish them justly if He wills, and He may forgive them if He wills. And if He punish them, they will come out eventually. And if He forgives them, they will be admitted into the paradise. Allah Any Maybe last question. How much time for the account? No, we have to, quickly. The meaning of submission that all of the creatures will submit to Allah willingly or unwillingly, it means that there are those who will submit knowing that they are supposed to submit to Allah, acknowledging Allah's right over them, they will submit willingly. And there are others who will not submit willingly. They will reject and they will disbelieve and they will disobey, but they will also submit because they will be in submission to the laws that Allah has set in the creation. They will disobey maybe what He has legislated in His irada shara'iyya. What He has legislated, what He has commanded and what He has prohibited. Maybe they have disobeyed in that one. But in reference to the irada qawniyya, the universal laws that Allah has set, everything in the creation has to submit to that. So that means they will submit to Allah one way or another. If they don't submit to the sharia, they will submit to the divine laws that Allah has set in the universe. Everything has to submit to that. Allahu alam. Is it? Fadda, fadda, yeah. The brother asked, he said that I have been, the Prophet said, Umirsu and Uqatil and Nas, Hatta Yashhadu and La ilaha illallah. Is this for the Prophet alone, وسلم, or is it for the Muslims in general? It is for the Muslims in general. It is not for the Prophet alone, but it is for the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, that whenever they have the ability to establish Allah's deen and the law of Allah on the earth, they must do it even by force. Allahu alam.